You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast with your hosts, Robert Gowan, Rudy Lindsay, Mike Pritz, and Kat Kalin. Hello, everyone. It's Robert here. I thought I would take time to do a little podcast about the differences between managers and leaders and as basically how it was back in the day and how that has evolved to today. It might be helpful at first to kind of tell you a little bit about my background. I spent 20 years total within the Army on both active duty and in the AGR program for the Army Reserve. After retiring from the Army as a Master Sergeant, I went into the private sector, initially starting off as a consultant working with a life sciences company, and eventually joined that company into various roles as director of project management and then leading strategic operational initiatives for that organization as as well. Uh, Following that, uh, I went to a a larger health insurance company where I initially was brought in as an internal consultant to help the leadership team on several different initiatives that they were doing and ended up rolling within the organization about 14, 16 months later into various leadership roles, culminating until my last leadership role as vice president of a department within the pharmacy area of this health insurance company. You know, in the old days, managers were really responsible for pushing the assembly line and the people that were making the widgets on that assembly line. Leaders were the ones that were seen up in the big office, responsible for doing the forecasting, the paperwork, the budgeting, planning, and kind of controlling of the organization away from the people and deciding the direction of the organization. But the people never really saw too much of the leadership. They really just saw the day-to-day supervisors or the managers on the assembly line and those that were pushing them to make whatever widget it was that that company developed. In the military, from a traditional perspective, the non-commissioned officer fulfilled the role of the, the manager and were responsible for pushing the people to train, to be ready for whatever mission and objective came their way, while the officer was the individual that was responsible for developing the operational orders, doing the back-end strategy, planning, and management with other senior leaders. And then when it came to the field, the leaders became both the non-commissioned officer and the officer, with the officer primarily in charge of driving that operational order and execution to the objective. For years, companies and the military alike saw people as a means to an end and not necessarily as an asset. And by that I mean, you know, you think about equipment being an asset, buildings being an asset, For the longest time, people were not necessarily seen as an asset of an organization. The development of human resources has really changed a lot of that landscape. Years ago, people management or managing of the people process and the development of the people and training of the people within the organization and those types of things were not necessarily done by a department But there were a few individuals that might be responsible for pushing the payroll, hiring the individuals and doing the back-end paperwork in order to get them online so that they can have a start date and be assigned to a manager or supervisor. But there wasn't really a human resources department that was responsible for the maintenance of the people and the development of the people while they belonged to the organization. And it's really evolved since that time frame where 
there is a department today, especially in large organizations, that is responsible for the training development and the process of growing the bench strength within an organization. So people are now seen as an asset of an organization and a very important asset of an organization because many of the individuals that work within an organization want to see it grow, want to see it prosper, want to develop teams and become entrepreneurs or individuals that think outside of the box in creating better processes, better quality, or making improvements to an organization to drive better throughput or more profitability. So because of that, people have really changed how they are perceived within an organization as not just the person who is on the assembly line creating the widget necessarily as both the individual who is part of the process and someone who is able to think and help the organization grow and make those changes. This has evolved over a number of years, but this mindset has really evolved within the last probably 10 to 15 years quite a bit because how people have started showing themselves to be more of an asset. Understand the organizations out there now understand the importance of team development along with that. Again, back in the days, teams were developed to create perhaps a specific widget, whereas today teams are seen as an important element to not only being a part of the process and developing whichever quality product that organization is making or service that they're providing, but also being seen as a way for different departments to work together towards a solution to a specific problem. So team building takes its shape not only within managers managing teams, but also having to manage teams across interdepartments where people from different organizations and performing different roles and responsibilities have to come together to develop a solution to a specific problem within the organization. Managers back in the day, too, were not necessarily seen as an individual that would normally ask how you were doing or find out how people are holding up, whether they're dealing with stress, family situations that may come into play within the workplace. Although this may happen within the military as managers and non-commissioned officers typically do want to get involved into their people situation to find out really what makes an individual tick. In the private sector, this wasn't necessarily seen as something as a responsibility of the manager. Again, the people's responsibility was to come to work and to perform the job that they were hired for, and managers were responsible for ensuring they did just that. All the other aspects of people management was not about understanding what made them tick or how to make teams work necessarily together from a behavioral standpoint, it was more around just managing the people to make the widgets. So as it started evolving and, and leaders and managers started realizing the importance of the people and that if we found ways to make them tick, not only as an individual, but as a team, it was amazing the results that we could see that came from that. So they started evolving more where managers were responsible for understanding that each individual team player and helping them understand their role and how it played out to the organization as well. And that's it. That's a key piece of it because 
In most large organizations today, and even some small organizations, you find that there are performance plans that are developed within the organization to help each individual member understand their role and responsibility as it aligns to the overall company objective. Usually around the months of October through December, as a manager, you're not only at that time frame going to develop the performance review for the previous year, but you're also developing the performance plan for the upcoming year. That is normally shared between the months of January and March, where you sit down on a one-on-one basis with each individual and show them the company objectives for that year and how each of their roles are responsible for helping achieve success as an overall organization. Now, an organization can be not just the company, but a division or department within that company, as well as an individual team within that department and the role that that individual plays in that process. By achieving measurable goals, and usually they're both quantitative and qualitative in how they're described so that the individual understands that by achieving X percentage, we meet the objective, but if we achieve this much more, then you'll receive this much perhaps in either profit sharing or bonuses on top of just getting an attaboy pat on the back. In the military, it's usually done as a non-commissioned officer or officer evaluation report, where in that evaluation report, there are goals and objectives that are set at the beginning of the year. And if they're achieved, then of course, they get a measurable grade or something of that nature that allows that individual then to be looked at for promotions within the military. In the private sector, it's usually aligned to cash, not just performance as far as promotional opportunities, because that certainly does play a part of it. But in the private sector, we incentivize typically by also aligning these goals to some type of monetary incentive, whether it be an annual bonus or an annual incentive. Promotions alone aren't the only thing that ends up driving individuals. So A lot of organizations realize that as part of the people process is what makes them tick. And in the private sector, they can assign bonuses, and they usually do. In the military, you can't do that. But in the private sector, because you can, it's usually a good way to, again, motivate them. So managers began to be a little bit more empathetic and became more trust-oriented in understanding the human aspect of being a manager. Again, if we go back and we talked about how a manager is responsible for the process and making sure the quality is developed in a repetitive motion, whether that's through a a transactional process or within a assembly line type of process, a manager is then responsible for hiring the right people to be able to do their job, ensuring that they're doing the type of jobs that they're supposed to be doing, and making sure that everything is accomplished again according to the plan. In leadership, you start looking at it from the bigger perspective as to how we can do something better to help our department next to us make better quality steps within their process, whether again it's a transactional or in a manufacturing environment, and starting to see more of the broader picture. So leaders allow people to design 
their own jobs in some cases, allow people to start thinking outside of the box and how they can make these improvements. They may establish teams whose sole objectives are to be project related and project meaning they have a start and an end date. A lot of people get confused by that. They, they become project managers and they create a long-term job off of one project when a project is really supposed to have an end date. Leaders start developing these teams when they see opportunities or opportunities are presented by the people. Back in the day, people weren't allowed to really go up to their managers and provide new ideas or changes necessarily. Those came from leadership. Today, you'll find that managers and people alike both are presenting opportunities for change or seeing where there could be potential errors that are going to affect the quality of the product or service that the organization provides. And so what they'll do is they'll come forward and bring those opportunities or see those errors and present change that could be developed in order to create a better quality product. So a leader develops a vision and a mission so that the individuals can see the bigger picture. And this is a little bit different than necessarily just being the manager, where you're, again, trying to hire the right people, trying to develop them so that they can create better products or services as part of the organization. In the old days, you would see people as a means to an end, where you don't really have a manager who's looking necessarily at the past and the future and responsible for making these changes but a leader requires that type of activity or it's put on them every day to be evaluating the strategy of the organization the vision of where we should go in the future to make better quality to produce better products or services for our customer base to understand the customer base what it is that they view as quality not just how the organization defines it but how the customer views quality from their perspective. A leader is is really someone that gets out of their head and gets into the head of the customers, gets in the head of the people that work for them and helps them understand from the emotional aspects of change or in things that we're trying to develop, you know, how they can help them understand the importance of moving from one way to another and how in the future that's really going to benefit them as individuals and the organization. So, so far I've talked a lot about the differences between a manager and a leader. And a lot of people will say, well, aren't they one and the same? Well, yeah, in a lot of cases they are. A leader definitely has to be a manager at times. And a manager has to think like a leader. Where I think there really are differences is that a manager is focused primarily on a particular area, department, or an objective in accomplishing that. And it could be a project or something along that line. But a leader sees things from a bigger perspective and they align the people and the processes in order to clearly achieve that objective and in seeing years out the vision of where the organization needs to go and with the manager they manage the associates to achieve that vision and visions typically are two to five years out so a leader has to constantly evaluate what their vision is based on internal and external circumstances 
that are that could potentially affect the outcome of that vision and understand that it's a living document and they may have to change it and modify it as time goes on. The manager then is focused on leading the team and the associates towards that vision and ensuring that it's executed while the leadership is constantly evaluating or the leader is constantly evaluating that vision, modifying it based on these internal and outside forces that could modify the overall vision for the organization. When I think back at times in which I saw my own associates within my teams and were evaluating them and bench strength for growth to leadership roles, you can look at the execution of what they're doing, how much they provided input into the vision and development of that, how much they drove the execution. And again, did they really see the big picture of not only just what their area is performing and doing in terms of that execution, but they began to see the inputs and outputs of a process and started evaluating the quality as well as execution of other departments and how they played a role in providing outputs that would then be seen as inputs to the next step within the process and how well of a process in terms of quality their team was providing to provide as an output to another organization or department that would continue the process in the line. So when you think of it as an assembly line, you have suppliers that are providing you the inputs that go within the steps of the process that you're responsible for, and either you're providing a good or service as an output, or you're providing a step within the process that feeds into as an output to another step within the process, and so on and so forth, until it finally comes out as a of products or services. As a leader, you're then evaluating your manager's And are they thinking broadly, are they thinking of inputs, outputs, and the process? Because many managers might be focused just on the process itself. But as a leader, you're starting to focus on the inputs, the outputs as well, the quality, the overall process, as well as the vision of where we're going, as well as the customer and how they're going to perceive it, the product or service that you're providing in terms of quality and how they define quality, not how you define quality as a leader or as a company. A leader starts taking on thought processes that are outside of just the process and what that small team or division or department within a company is providing as a level of service or steps within a process. So as an evaluation of my managers, It was important for me to evaluate them and how they seen the vision, how they executed that vision or the mission towards the vision, and how they were starting to see the bigger picture and seeing themselves as individuals that could create a vision for their teams or their organization and moving them beyond just the process. Does the manager see the risk that's also going to be required to move toward a specific vision? And the risk could be not only the risk of 
the associates that work for them and being able to accomplish their day-to-day mission or objectives, but it could be the risk of the organization in terms of profit and loss. Are they thinking broadly enough where they're starting to evaluate the profit and loss of the organization, how those decisions and risks that come into play of making decisions could potentially impact that profit and loss of the organization? In many business or Masters of Business Association courses, you begin to think about the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats of the decisions that you're making. So the strengths and weaknesses tend to be those things internally that you have control over that you can make changes. However, the opportunities and threats are those things externally that you start evaluating to determine what are the opportunities that we could evaluate the risks that are associated with those opportunities. And then on the threats, it could be those things that are environmental, those things are governmental or decisions that could be made that have an impact on you, but you have no control over. So as a leader, you're evaluating the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats that impact your organization on a day-to-day basis. Not only that, but you're also evaluating the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats towards your ability or your organization's ability to accomplish your vision as well as your day-to-day objectives. Now, some of the things I just described are things that some managers already begin to think about. Again, through this evolvement over time, managers have started taking on roles that are very similar to leaders. So people will sometimes say, well, managers and leaders are not that far apart. There's a lot of similarities. Well, absolutely. Leaders have to also remember that they're managers as well. You never forget that you are a manager when you're a leader. And it's not that there are differences necessarily as much today as there were in the past between what a leader is and what a manager is. However, there are times in which you see individuals that are not showing the potential to be a leader and their strong suits seem to be more aligned to the manager or traditional manager type of roles. As we begin to grow as a manager and a leader, we begin to see different levels of leadership as well. And that means that not everybody within the organization is focused on the same type of leadership objectives or focused as a leader the same across all different lines of leadership. Different skills or different stages and experiences are definitely necessary to growth within your own leadership in your own management. You're going to make mistakes as an example along the way, and you're going to learn from those mistakes, and that's going to make you a better manager, a better leader as you begin to to grow through those things. Different events that you're going to be faced with as you begin to grow as a manager and leader are going to enable you to be a better manager and leader if you learn from them in the future as well. So sometimes we we don't understand the differences between a manager and leader because we may be crossing the line of becoming or being both as we've been growing ourselves and and leadership is about self-development as well it's about always constantly learning as much as you can about how to be an effective and better leader 
as well as lifting up the individuals around you. You're not worried about just the widget making. You're worried about the people. You start worrying about how you can build them to be more successful and help them grow to become leaders or future leaders within your organization. And at times that means that you have to let them go. And there's been so many times as a a manager, I've had to sit down with my subordinates or my associates and say, you know, you may see yourself somewhere else within this organization outside of my department or my leadership and management. And that's perfectly fine. If you find that's the case, let me know because I want to help you develop and grow to go where you want to go. Now, not all leaders and managers are willing to do that. I guess maybe perhaps I'm a little different in that regard, but I do like to see individuals reach their maximum potential, and I understand that that's not always going to be under my leadership purview. I get over it. A lot of managers and leaders can't get over themselves, and that's where they stop growing as a leader and understanding that the bigger picture is what matters within the organization. It's not just about them or the area or department that they're responsible for. So what's the main difference between a manager and a leader? Well, I've read in some places, and I probably would agree, that the difference between leadership and management is that leaders have people follow them, while managers have people who work for them. To be successful, you have to be both a strong leader and manager to get your team on board to follow you towards your vision of success. As a manager... You need to be able to execute the vision by taking that vision, breaking it down, and building a roadmap. As a manager, you're also focused on the day-to-day execution of work and the resources that are aligned to those processes. You're worried about the quality of those steps and how well you're performing against that. You may also be looking at the processes, the rules, the operating procedures to ensure the good quality is being developed, and you're people-focused. You're looking at the people, their welfare, their needs, and you're listening to them, and you're engaging them and involving them in the steps to make improvements. As a leader, your roles change slightly in that you're wanting to make sure you have good communication skills. You want to be able to allow your staff to challenge the status quo, to do things different, and you want the ability to challenge up as well. You want to inspire your team so that they can be all that they can be and they understand their role within the bigger picture, and that was as I discussed earlier. And you also create a vision so that your team charts the path towards the future and understands what their role is in creating a better output or a better future. And as a leader, you also have to have honesty and integrity so that the people can believe in you and buy into your journey that you're taking them on because if you have this vision but they don't trust you, then they won't come along with you to create that vision. From time to time, I get asked on Instagram or through other social media, what types of books do I read or do I recommend reading on leadership? For me, one of my favorite authors is actually John C. Maxwell, and I quote him often on our social media pages for Mentors for Mill because I really think that he gets it and has a great way of describing it to the reader so that on occasion you may have aha moments or you may be a leader that's doing really well and follow a lot of these practices and these books actually reinforce some of your thought processes. A book that I received when I was working for an organization that was struggling going from a mom and pop type organization to a 
very profitable organization, is a book that was written by Larry Bossidy and Ram uh, Sharan. And the name of the book is Execution, The Discipline of Getting Things Done. I can't stress this book en- enough. It's not just about leadership. It's about one of the things that leaders fail to do, and that's just provide good execution. So it's a really good book that I recommend you go out and, and purchase as well. Another book that I enjoy reading is a book called The Extraordinary Leader, Turning Good Managers into Great Leaders by John Zinger and Joseph Folkman. I think these guys are really good writers. They get it. And there are even seminars that you can go to that tie in with this book on finding just where you stand on being an extraordinary leader, as well as understanding some of your fatal flaws. Now, these aren't all the books that I would recommend. These are just a few, and I'm sure that many of you probably have other books that you think are resourceful or helpful, but one of the great things, as I mentioned before, about being or becoming a great leader is that you never forget that learning is part of the process. Uh, I constantly challenge myself to read books and to uh, grow as a leader, so please continue to do that yourself. So that wraps up this show on manager versus leader. And I think hopefully you've come away with some examples of how they are different, but how they are very much the same as well. Can't thank you guys enough for following our podcast and giving us your insight and opinions as to how well we're doing. I get feedback all the time via Instagram, direct messaging or other social media. Really appreciate that. And if there's something that you guys want to hear about, let me know. And we'll be sure to add that into one of our future episodes. It's hard to believe for the past year we've been producing podcasts and really been having a good time doing it at our own expense and our own cost and not really receiving any type of revenue. Recently, we did start selling apparel We're hoping that'll take off and defray some of the costs that we've had in the past of producing the podcast show and allow us the opportunity to get out there with you guys and meet you at the installations. As veterans, we are really supportive of what you guys are doing. Uh, We love to follow you guys, and we love to use, of course, your photos as much as possible to relay messages of inspiration or empowerment or motivation whenever the opportunity arises. So again, Thank you for everything that you guys have done. Recently, you may have heard that Mike Glover, who is one of our guest hosts, has started up a new podcast. That podcast is called Phil Craft Survival Podcast. You can find that also on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, and on iTunes. And so I encourage you guys to go out there and listen to his podcast that he has on survival, on gear, on weapons, and all types of different topics that he can share with you guys and uh, support that podcast as well. We like to think of it as kind of a sister podcast, and so we'll continue to be joined at the hip and really appreciate everything that Mike did for us in past podcast and wish him nothing but the best for the future. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at Mentors, the number four MIL, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio. It doesn't matter whether you are searching for your passion or purpose, finding your way through a military or civilian career, working on your fitness, or just about to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Get after it.